Hey everybody, this is Davis, your favorite host from Jacks of Trades that's still living in the city of New Orleans. So, with Halloween coming up and the spookiness of this month, and with the latest Joker movie coming out, uh, Greg and a little bit of Mike and Desi and I decided that we would do a little blast from the past and re-air our episode uh, for the Killing Joke, a wonderful graphic novel. I believe it was the it was the second Jacks of Trades we did. The third episode we did because we had the champions drinking issues in between all of that. But still, blast from the past. Uh, it's going to involve a lot of great commentary from our good friend Mr. Matthew Eichner. He was our you know, first guest that we had on the show. And beyond that, well, it's going to be a lot of Mike hearing me make jokes, not realizing it, and then groaning. So enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the newest comic duo, Davis, a dabbler in many disciplines with a voice that can soothe and persuade. Mike, a fanatical specialist with a mouth like a bullhorn, fueled by strong opinions and a compulsion to share them with microphones and comics in hand. They are Jacks of Trades. Hello everyone and welcome to Jacks of Trades. I'm Mike. And I'm Davis. On Jacks of Trades, we read, discuss, and review trade paperbacks and graphic novels from major and indie comic publishers. We're not experts by any means, we just love hanging out and talking about comics. We're here with Greg from In-Depth Media. Hello. And we're also here with a festival in the background. So if anybody hears some fun noises, that's the Beignet Fest happening the in inaugural, Lafayette Square. The inaugural Beignet We've Festival. We've had a lot of inaugurals. Yes. This this, uh, this year. We had, we had the chicken festival a couple weeks ago. Fried chicken festival. Did not go well. They had a lot of people. They underestimated the love of fried chicken in this local area. Which doesn't... Uh, that's shenanigans. Absolute shenanigans. Uh, yeah, but um, you're, you're occasionally going to hear some background noise. Our studio is right across from a festival square uh, because we like to party. And if you want a boring <laughs> podcast with no parties in the background, you can listen to something from Dakota. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dakota... Whether it's south or north, they're, they're the same thing. Just, there's nothing. Just to mash do. them together. We there's don't need mountains them. and heads. That's that's about it. Yeah, it was so boring. We had to make it more exciting with our presidents. And speaking of presidents, we have a guest today. We do. We are here with our good friend Matt. How's it going, guys? Hey, Matt. Thank you for having. Hey, for, bud. To be coming. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Yes, Matt. Thank you for having me on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for allowing me to be here, everyone. No, uh, Matt. Matt's a good friend of ours. Uh, he actually went to college with Davis. He played in a band with me for a couple years, so that was really exciting. We both were uh, parties in his wedding. We had active roles. Very exciting. I was an I usher. Thought you were gonna go. He actually went to college and just moved. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, yes, folks. I know. Once you hear him speak today, you will be concerned as to whether or not he actually got an edge. No, he is. He is a wonderful and intelligent man. Uh, uh, Matt. Matt is actually. Good friend of ours. He he gets involved in our Wednesday comic runs. You know, me and him usually go at lunch, and we go run to the comic shop and get our issues. So, Matt, tell people at home a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into comics? And if you have any kind of character that, that's your favorite, it catches your attention in comics, you know, who are they and why are you so interested in them? Cool. Yeah, so the appeal for me in being invited on this show was that I'm not, I guess you can say, a typical comic book reader. I didn't grow up reading comics. I grew up playing sports, being affiliated with things such as that. And then, so, so you were a jock. Not necessarily. You were, you're just making fun of the nerds. Just You were a physically active teenager. 
Yes. But, you know, didn't read in comics much. Uh, then, you know, when I quit playing sports in high school, I fell in love with music, and that kind of became my primary, primary passion. It still is to this day. So I'm a late bloomer in the comic world. And with that being said, I really didn't get introduced until recently, you know, from you guys. I've always loved the movies, the stuff that Marvel's put out, the TV shows. You know, I'm a huge fan of all the Netflix shows, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the whole Marvel Universe that they're doing cinematic-wise, I've always been in love with. And I just never felt there was a great time to jump into comics because I'm the type of person that I always want to know what's going on from the beginning. And, of course, going back to the golden age, 30, 40 years, and yeah, with it, continuity. It, it's it's yeah, kind of daunting. It's, it's, it would take me another 30 years to catch up to 2016, <laughs> right? So last year when Marvel launched a bunch of number ones, you guys invited me on and said, hey, you know, we're doing this thing. We, we talk about them. Um, precursor to the podcast and said uh pick up some number ones and see what you like and one i've actually fallen in love with it's uh, going to be ongoing through marvel now is the daredevil run right. um i really like what they're doing with that most people you know they focus on the superhero world it becomes very big jumping into it can be really hard because there's so many characters so many backstories and daredevil was a good launching point because he's back in new york city he's kind of gotten his secret identity back and it's basically him rebuilding what he can do in new york any street level so there's not this yeah. whole outside world going on that you have to worry about multiverses you know he's just in new york city he's in hell's kitchen doing what he's got it's do. references to the bigger scheme but it, it's it's one controlled centralized right. contained environment which right kind of really get into which is very easy to get into yeah definitely yeah. so and that, that's kind of where it started and just branching out from there he's doing retribution for his neighborhood keeping hell's kitchen on lock Gotta do what he's gotta do. He's gotta do what he's gotta do. Him and old Jay Jones and everyone else, you know, roll around Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I'm done. Don't worry. I, I just like letting him ramble sometimes. It's fun because he, he he starts with a lot of energy, and then if you don't play into it, he just slowly kind of peters out like a diesel engine running out of fuel. See, I was gonna say it's like a bottle rocket. It's like, ooh yeah, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So today we are uh, reading Batman: The Killing Joke. Now a little a little backstory, a little stats and history on this one. Publisher is DC, and it came out in 1988 as a a one shot or, or a graphic novel, depending on which delineation you prefer. The writer was Alan Moore. Uh, he did The Watchmen, uh, V for Vendetta, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, artist Brian Bollard, and he's most notable for Batman: The Killing Joke. Colorist was John Higgins, who worked with Alan Moore on Watchmen. The origin for this story was based off of Detective Comics 168, The Man Behind the Red Hood. It was the first iteration of that story, and this is kind of a retelling of that Red Hood tale. Uh, and this one actually won an Eisner in 1989 for the best graphic novel. Now, we are reading a uh, newer version of this. It is a recolored version, just so everybody knows. And hardcover. Yes, it's, it's a lovely hardcover. But, um, With a dust sleeve and everything. But we, we are not going to be talking about the, the weird oranges and reds and pinks and, and kind of very, very bright colors that the original was in that was kind of uh, jarring as a Batman tale because you expect him in kind of noir colors, muted and dark and, and everything. So we're, we're reading this recolored version that I think uh, tells it. Now, if we look at the book, it's the uh, deluxe hardcover, like I said. Uh, it's got a lovely dust jacket on the front. Two giant detailed Joker faces that really grab you off the get-go. The front is uh, the iconic camera scene that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And the back is this weird kind of endearing smile. Mildly unsettling. Very toothy. Very yeah, yeah. toothy. Yeah. A lot of teeth involved with that. Like, off-colored. 
you know, with the with the red shining through. Yeah, I I really do like how they make sure to note that Joker's face is stark white and his teeth are not. Like a disturbing uh, Dairy Queen commercial. What? Explain. Well, the Dairy Queen commercials—they have the big like smile. It's like, hey, this is Dairy Queen. Mm-mm-mm, blizzards, and it's the big mouth, and There's it's a black a, background. I don't. I no. I can't say I've ever seen a Dairy Queen commercial. I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, if it, I've, it, I've seen one, honestly. Man, I hope I wasn't thinking, just imagining that. They're just making shit. He, he has caused too much damage to his brain and his liver. I mean, I, I swear, there's a commercials, and, like, there's a dude, and he's, like, this, you know, a pair of CGI lips with a completely all-black background. He's you, like, You know Dairy how Queen. when Nana starts to lose it, and, and she just starts kind of combining stories together? Doesn't quite remember how things actually happened. I, I'm kind of. I remember whenever JFK freed the slaves. Yes, yes. That 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 is that is Davidson Nutshell. It happens. It happens. Runs in the family. Yeah. You know. So uh, the story. Let's, let's kind of dive into that a little bit to start here. Uh, the book opens with Batman going to visit the Joker at Arkham. Well, not to interrupt here, um, but I think a good lead-in is this is the first time that the, an origin story for the Joker was ever addressed, which was, you know, kind of groundbreaking at the time because, you know, it hadn't been done before, and I think mm-hmm. that was the appeal to it. So, you know, I think for the listeners that have never read it, such as myself, you know, that's a key point to know that, yeah. you know, Alan Moore, basically, they said, we're going to write an origin story for Batman and, and the killing joke and the Joker, and they looked at him like he was probably crazy, and he said, no, I'm going to do it anyways. Well, what's, so. really, what's really interesting off that point is that uh, DC recently launched its rebirth, and at the end of New 52, going into this rebirth... Batman sits down in the Mobius chair and he asks the Mobius chair for the Joker's name. And the Mobius chair doesn't give him the name but tells him there are three Jokers. So we do have multiple origin stories, this being one of them for the Joker, and now with the new DC continuity, maybe this one is right. Maybe this one is technically correct. It's a one-shot, so it's not actually in continuity per se, but a lot of things that happened in this story were later addressed in continuity and canon. Right. Uh, the, the fate of Barbara Gordon, kind of this, this Red Hood was reintroduced at this time and, and brought back in. So this might actually be canonically one of the origins for the Joker, or one of these Jokers, right. if, mm-hmm. if there actually are three. We're, we're waiting to see how Rebirth shakes out. You know, right. who, yeah. who knows? As you know with comics, they can wreck yeah, on they, anything. They, they, they could change anything at any time. Like Peter Porker and Spider-Ham. Yes, Davis. Like Peter Porker and Spider-Ham. <laughs> But it was a black, dreary night outside of Arkham Asylum. Just do the whole thing like that. Okay. And that's not. It's going to take forever. All right. Yeah, so, so yes, we, we open up at uh, Batman is going to visit the Joker at Arkham. The opening panels, we have two pages of nine panels each. Very Brady Bunchy. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's kind of telling this great little story going back and forth uh, of Batman showing up on a rainy night to visit the Joker. Uh, you see the little details. Like, it's very fast. It just like uh, boom, 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 boom. Just, just completely like this would be if, in the movie, which I haven't seen yet. This would be like the beginning credit scene rolling through. Yeah, it, it gets a lot done really quick because it kind of sets everything up. And a, it shows you the kind of evening it is. It shows you the point of Batman's visit. It shows how the guards at Arkham are kind of like, "Whoa, Batman's here!" And Jim Gordon's with Batman, and he's like, "Yeah, it's Batman. I don't." I, cares i've seen batman a thousand times we hang out all the time we're really good friends we're bros yeah we're really close uh it also shows the secretary has this great little sign on her desk that says you don't have to be crazy to work here 
but it helps, which is a terrible joke, and I'm embarrassed at how much I enjoyed it. It's it's fantastic. No, don't don't do it. I mean, don't. I was having a little pun. Don't. So for those of y'all out there, listening, Mike hates puns. They're terrible. <laughs> yes, um, he has this complete hatred towards them. They're the laziest form of comedy. And so for those that have read this and with a character known as the Joker, you can imagine that he tells a lot of puns in here. Yeah. Um, if you tweet puns at us, Mike might respond with vitriol and hatred. Yes. Mike will visit you <laughs> with vitriol and hatred. I will physically visit you. Well, he's saying that with an exclamation mark, a, a punctuation mark. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway. So anyways, yeah. How, how, do, how does the, the tone of the Joker making puns make you feel? It really helps me hate him. He, he has a lot of endearing moments in this particular story, and it helps ground him in the fact that I don't like him. That no matter what he does and how, how endearing he has a moment, I can't stand him because he says some stupid lazy joke. These elaborate plots, these huge complicated plans he always has, and then he just throws out the laziest joke. Like he just... I just came up with it on the drive over. Like, just phoning it in comedically. And for a character named the Joker, I expect much, much better development. I expect him to work on the club scene, kind of workshop his material, and then get to Batman. Yeah, he's not functioning very well. God damn it. So it's about to be this groundbreaking moment where you're like, oh man, you know, I can get behind this Joker guy. I feel for him, and he just ruins just, it. Just, just ruins it immediately for me. Okay. So, so that's established. Yeah, exactly. So setting up the scene. No, we're not doing this, Davis. No, no. no. Well, that, that'll be the supplemental. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll do a video of just you doing this. Can we have me doing audio commentary over the podcast? Yes, yes. Okay, that, cool. That'll be on the bonus Blu-ray. All right. And then we're going to commentate our commentary on the bonus, bonus, deluxe, ultra Blu-ray. Only released on flash drive. They have to plug into a wall that we're going to put somewhere. commentary We're just going to hide it in a wall somewhere. Yeah, so, so Batman goes to visit the Joker, and he sees him in his cell playing what appears to be solitaire. The table is cast in light, his face is cast in shadow, which is kind of odd. You'd expect the Joker to, to be visible to start. And Batman starts with this speech about how he's concerned that they're both on a collision course with their eminent demises. Like, if they keep progressing as they have been as nemesis, well, nemeses, I guess? Nemesises? Nemesis. I, I like Nemesai or Nemesis. As enemies, if they keep going as arch enemies, they're both going to get each other killed. And how he's, he's saying he doesn't want that to happen, but he's not getting any reaction to the Joker, and it's really frustrating him. So what does Batman do? He reaches across the table to grab the Joker. Grab my hand! And some white paint comes off on his glove. Joker doesn't have any paint. The Joker's skin is white, not painted white. So Joker, so Batman grabs the Joker by the shirt and pulls him into the light, and we find out it's a body double. The Joker has escaped from Arkham again for the nine millionth time. Mm-hmm. The worst track record of any institution I think we have in, uh, what was it, penitentiary? Is that the term I'm looking for? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, no, they had prisoners walking around the French Quarter that escaped from OPP and then came back the next morning. But they came back. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Would it be a pun in century? Folks, this this might quickly turn so... into this might okay, so so there's gonna be a supplemental for this. It's gonna be the nine one one call for these people. 
as I finally lose it. it. We've had one episode before this, and I can't take it. These people are awful. Well, we're dealing with the Joker, and maybe the Smoker, and possibly the Midnight Toker. It's not a pun, but it's still bad. Does I'm he play his music terrible. in the sun? He plays music in the sun. So, Where's the Joker, Davis? How about you tell us where the Joker is? Joker no está aquí. Joker está en la... I don't know Spanish. But so, the next panel we see is him and a Fargo-looking guy in just, like, a kind of carnival-looking area. Dilapidated. Just a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. I found myself reading this through this scene. It took me back to uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman whenever he interrogates the Joker in yeah. the cell. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was very... Probably the Christopher Nolan scene was kind right, of very deliberate. Um but in y'all's mind, when y'all are reading the dialogue from the Batman, can y'all just not help in your head hear Christian Bale? I, I have purged it. I have intentionally purged it because I love the Nolan Batmans, and I hate that voice. I can't stand that voice. See, whenever I like read anything Batman, I automatically get Batman the Animated Series Batmans in my voice. That, I just have Christian that one, Bale that, impregnated in that, my that's, that's a great one. That, that one really does. You're right. Just, I, also him just saying, Terry, from Batman Beyond. That, that Just that, Terry. Terry. Old Batman. Terry. Yeah, well, it was the same dude's voice. It is. Just use me. Terry. Claw? What? Okay. So they're at they're at the, the carnival. This broken down, dilapidated looking carnival, abandoned theme park, jazz flags in New Orleans East style theme park. Yeah. The, the local people will be familiar with that reference. Jazz flags. Uh, and, and Joker's describing how dilapidated and terrible it is. And, 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 of course, the guy selling it's like, oh, so you don't like it? And, of course, we get the old trope. No, it's awful. I love it. <laughs> I'm crazy for it. With this wonderful, giant, like, overtaking panels around him. Just wonderful, classic Joker smile. Personally, I thought this was a little lazy. Really? Yeah, just, oh, yeah, of course, the crazy comedic clown is going to be crazy for the terrible dilapidated... Well, amusement park. Would you expect anything less of him? I I, no. I kind of hoped for more. Well, I mean, come on, we're, we're but, the, but but like like we said earlier, I'm gonna I'm ago. gonna get these terrible jokes that are really gonna offend me. Twenty eight so years ago, this thing was released. Yeah. So so Joker's taking his pass through the amusement park, and he sees a sign that kind of uh, jogs his memory a little bit, and we get taken to a flashback. For the record, the sign that he sees is for the fat lady. Yeah, and then his flashback is about his wife. So I don't know what that says. But I'm not going to describe it about any woman that I'm seeing. That's fine. It, it might be because at the scene right now, we see that he is with his currently pregnant wife. And that I w- is no way to talk about your pregnant I, wife, I know one thing. You never call a pregnant lady fat. You Doesn't say matter. she looks glowing. Doesn't matter how pregnant she is. Oh, you, you look great. Have you been working out? What happened? The baby could be coming out. You don't say anything. Yeah, you're glowing. You don't. You're glowing. You have this aura around Glowing you. like a pig. But we're in this flashback of the Joker talking to his wife in their tiny, crappy, dilapidated house. Right. And I think, you know, before we get too far into this, this is the first moment where we see a difference in the original edition and the deluxe edition with the recoloring. In the prior edition, all these panels were colored. They were very bright and vibrant. And in this one, when they recolored it, they went back and it's all in black and white, very noir feel, except there's pops of color in it. Very, um, you know, there's a light bulb in one panel. There's a bowl on the table, whether it's shrimp or octopus, squid, whatever it might be. Some form of seafood. Yeah, so some crustacean. Right. In, in, in their small apartment in Gotham. So, uh, well, o- Octopuses are cephalopods. Yes, Davis. 
Well, they are. They're not crustaceans. They're Octopi cephalopods. or cephalopods. They are. They're cephalopods. That was very important to the story. <sighs> just, just trying to get continuity right, all right, man. Octopi are not crustaceans. We don't want to get trolls. We, we don't want to tell you that they're crustaceans because, of course, later, about two thirds of the book, we're going to get the octopus men from Planet Garflax, and we're really going to need to set that up, right, Davis? No. Don't need to set it up. So yeah, we get these beautiful pops of color, um, and then they kind of are going to play through his flashbacks later on. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we're seeing the Joker bemoaning the fact that he can't provide for his family as they sit in what appears to be a very cheap and under-furnished... Apartment? A ghetto apartment, for yeah. lack of a better term. Ooh, Projo's. Possibly Projo's? Might be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Gotham doesn't seem to be very, well, you very had, socially conscious. Well, they allowed a lot of crime to, to fester. Right, but they still have to have some form of infrastructure for the poor of that area. Well, we do see that the landlords in the next panel, and you know, like she will be forgiving. She loves us. Yeah. Well, that's know? what the wife says. He, he doesn't seem to think the same thing. Right, right. Which, you know, this is where you kind of start to... I think there's a little bit of emotional attachment you see from the Joker. Here's this regular guy. You know, he just lost his job, quit his job at the factory, the plant... And, you know, to chase his passion of being a comedian. And, mm-hmm. and it's not going too hot. No, not, not at all. all. Uh, not but, at all. But, but his wife, you know, does, does remark, you know, as long as you're here to make me laugh, you know, I don't need anything else. As long as you're here for me and the Supportive. family, that's all I need. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then his flashback immediately ends with him just staring at this, this clown figurine with a very, very, very uh, morose kind of look on his face. Just, just very, very upset as he falls out of this memory. Yes. Um, we're we're going to see the hand, hand extended out to the clown, like just, hello, friend. Yeah, we're, we're going to see the Joker kind of fall in and right. out of his memories, and he seems very upset every time he does. And I think the transitions they do between those memories are really great. Like what we see here, you know, right before that, that panel, he's reaching out to his wife, mm-hmm. you know, because he actually made her laugh. And I'm sure that's a moment of clarity. You know, at least my wife still loves yeah, me. It's she's beautiful gonna, memory. She's going to laugh at my jokes no matter mm-hmm. what. But in the background, there's a mirror, and his eyes are sunken in. They're dark. He has this very demeaning look on his face. In the very next panel, it's back to the current time. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say now, but, you know, mm-hmm. 1988. In parentheses, present. Present, right. Yes. Present time. And he's staring at this laughing clown, you know, coin-operated machine. Same cow on his face, but there's a clown staring back at him. Uh, and then we see uh, the Joker's kind of setting up his purchase, but we see him take out... A, a needle and put on his palm, kind of Joy Buzzer style, to shake the hand of the real estate agent. Uh, and this is the scene where he infects the real estate agent. Well, no, he, he, he already has it on his hand. He's just been holding it there? He's, he's had it on his hand the whole time, and when you see him take it off, that, it's that after slippery, he shakes the hand with him. That slippery bastard. Exactly, because the other guy doesn't know. That's fair. The other guy doesn't know that the Joker is there. She's so like, oh, no, this has already gone through. I'm just touring the property right now. Thanks, you, you, you rube. Yeah. And I like shake hands and make it final. Yeah. Clasp his hands <laughs> and infects him with that Joker Venom. Uh, Joker Venom, uh, I did find out, was first appeared in 1940 in Batman number one. It's either portrayed as a toxin that's going to be deadly and leave the victim with wide eyes and a big smile, just like the Joker's crazy face. Or sometimes it won't kill you, but it'll send you in a fit of madness and uh, uncontrollable laughter. And this one, personally to me, it feels like it's killed the guy. Okay, Joker Venom. Could you imagine a giant smiling symbiote with green hair? 
That would be the worst crossover. No, I don't, no, that would not be the worst crossover. No, no, the worst crossover that, that would, would be like be. Squirrel Girl and Robin just messing everything just squirrel up. Squirrel Man. What? After this incident with this fake Joker, he knows the Joker's escaped. He's done. So he goes back to the Batcave in order to, you know, regroup. And we get a really good mental image. Like, if, if you know anything about you know, antagonist and protagonist, heroes and villains, arch enemies and everything, you know, how much do they know about each other? And the one thing that he really says is how can two people hate each other but know nothing about each other? Right. That is a great thing to lead into this. It's kind of like this blind, it, it's it's almost like racism. Well, well, it's, it's you know, Bruce, he goes, you know, to his computer and being the detective he is, he just says, you know, basically in the, this two pages of panels, he types in the Joker and what's he get? Just a bunch of images on his computer screen of the Joker, source unknown, name unknown, background unknown. You well, know, it's like they don't know anything about each other. So it's like Davis said, how can I hate someone that I know nothing about? But how can he justifiably hate me who he knows nothing about me? Well, right. to, to be fair, in the next coming scene, we're going to find out exactly how you can hate someone you know nothing about. Well, exactly. But oh, this absolutely. Point, so in the next scene, we see uh, Barbara and Commissioner Gordon. They're hanging out at... I, I'm not sure whose house it is. I, I mean, I can assume... Do they live together? She I can assume they live together. I mean, well, well, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Trouble in economic times. She's not. She might not be a millennial, but you know, it, it happens. The 80s were great. Well, I mean, I think it's definitely... The 80s you know, were great financially. Apartment. I think it's their apartment because, you know, he's... You can see the obsession of almost yeah. Gordon and his relationship with Batman. Yeah, he's clipping the newest Batman... Uh, news article out of the paper to put in his scrapbook. Right. Masked Vigilante saves and, the bank. And she references the fact that he's got scrapbooks all over the house of the Batman, Catwoman, you know, so on and so forth. With their house with pink carpet. Yeah. It's, it's a very aggressive carpet. Very, very uh, And, and, and Barbara, Barbara's telling Jim to, to calm down, you know. Leave the work at the office, you know, calm down. Don't be so wound up. I'm about to go out with my friend. Have a cocoa. You know, yeah, she's about to go out with her friend and there's a knock on the door. Oh, Barbara's friend is here. Right, so yoga class, right? That might be, yeah, you know, my neighbor yoga. who, who you yeah. know, we go to yoga class together. I thought that was for, yeah, right? for 1988 to reference right. a yoga I like, class I think It might have been a New York thing in 1988 to have yoga. It definitely wasn't a Southern right, thing. Says, no, 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 we know, still have jazzercise. On the door. It, wasn't a, it wasn't a thing in 2008 in the South. No, we still have jazzercise to this day. Come yeah, on, the, we still have plenty of establishments. Our insurance covers it. So, you know, they're having this idle banter, you know. Oh, knock on the door, it could be, oh, there it is, Colleen, you know, from yoga class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're bantering about him making a scrapbook. He put too much glue. He's going to ruin on it. Uh -oh. the, the, the picture's going to ripple. Knock, knock. Who's there? Joker in her holiday shirt. Yeah, why Why is the Joker dressed like he's going on vacation? Because he is going on vacation. He he's, has a reason to celebrate. But he's not going on vacation. He's, he, he's creating a destination for someone to go to. I guess, but it, that's... I don't know. Cosplay. Who is he Easy cosplay. No, no. It makes it so you can easily cosplay as Joker. Well, you know, okay. if you think about it, maybe it's just, you know, as you see that first panel, he, he's got a camera around his neck. So to get that, you know, hey, yeah, I'm a I, tourist I, kind I, of I, feel. I think it's just so, him, him so being it, eccentric. Yeah, that it's does a call make sense. out to, you know, a tourist in a Hawaiian shirt, a hat, You're right. Pants. It, it was probably built around the camera in the first place. Right. It, I see, think it's there to isolate the camera. Yeah, we, we see him at the door. We see a gun in his hand and then a horrified look on Barbara's face. Very beautiful panel, though. Yeah. I think Re this is really really excellent well coloring work right there. progression. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he just blows through Barbara's midsection. Uh, yeah, it shoots her right in, I guess, the, the abdomen, the lower abdomen. Yeah, um, I would say around bladder area, maybe lower kidney. You know nothing about anatomy. I, I know a little bit about anatomy. No, not enough. 
The abdomen, lower kidney area. Davis is just squeezing his stomach right now, trying to feel for things. You don't we don't abdomen. I don't know anything either. I'm not claiming I do, but Davis is claiming he does. Labdomen, right. lower abdomen. Okay, yes. Shoots her in the labdomen. Jim jumps up. Oh no, Barbara! And then the Joker. I do like this part. He starts referencing Barbara because she's a librarian as a worn out, used, damaged book. Oh, it's it pun But coming from someone that hates puns, you'd love this part. Right. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, it's not so much a pun, though, in well, my opinion. Is it an analogy, like, then? Not, he put a lot of work into that analogy, which I like. He has just paralyzed her. We're going to find this out shortly. But mm-hmm. he references to a book with a broken spine. Right, right, right. He's like, this book is in bad condition. Look, a hole in the jacket. Yeah, broken spine. And I, I, love how, I love how light he takes that as Commissioner Gordon just starts freaking out and then... Immediately gets knocked out. Well, he's got thugs. It's not just the Joker. He brought two thugs with him. Because the Joker, he, he gets his hands dirty, but it's not like he's the one throwing the punches. He doesn't do the dirty work. Yeah. Right. So one, so one of the thugs knocks out uh, Jim Gordon. And the Joker immediately, in one of the Joker's most heinous acts in history, uh, begins to undress Barbara Gordon as he's going to use that camera that he brought with him. Well, we don't know at this point if he's undressing. Well, he shows well, him grabbing well, he has her jacket. No, no, he references it, though. He looks like he's unbuttoning the top right, button right. of her blouse at that point in time. So, after all of that, just looking at this, the Barbara Gordon struggling on the ground, and then the final scene, or the final panel of that, is still just like him drinking a glass with a nice sheen to it, covering shadow over his eyes, but still having this menacing smile on his face, we get a flashback. It's like, why did you do this to prove a point? So, you know, the Joker is obviously out to prove something Mm -hmm. to Detective Gordon and uh, Batman. Yeah, we immediately jump into this uh, this scene of young Joker, well, younger Joker, I guess, in a bar, and he's talking to these two mob guys, we find out, because he is going to take a job for the mob, Mm -hmm. and he's going to use that money to help take care of his family. Get me out of that bad neighborhood. Right, you know, like I said, you know, struggling... Man mm-hmm. wants to provide for a family. At, at what cost will he give for, uh, you know, an opportunity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we, we do see the splashes of color as... I don't know is what... It, is it a food... Were just, they foodies? I think it's just red shades, but... I don't know what bar has shrimp on the table, but he's got shrimp on the table at his apartment. He's got shrimp on the table at this bar. Okay, obviously they're in a port side town. If you look at Gotham, it is basically New York. They have a major port there. They have a major terminal there. They have the ability to get in seafood just, from the place. This and is, they have local seafood there this, as well. They can bring in from... But no, that's the thing. It's it, it, It's seafood. Seafood was not an expensive thing at port towns. It's, like, just, it's, it's a falsified market. thing to put in a bar table. It, the peanuts, pretzels. Okay, peanuts, pretzels. Some dude goes to the bathroom, touches their Johnson when they go pee, doesn't wash their hands, then puts their hands inside of that When was thing? the last time you put your hand in a bowl of crustaceans and only touched one? Right, but they have shells. So? Yeah, you don't eat the shell. You can go yeah, but the- your finger then gets in your mouth. I'm Your not, argument is invalid. I don't care about the penile germs of my own penis going in my mouth. I care about other people's penile germs going in my mouth. So you like, you like penile bathroom? germs in your mouth? My own, yes. I don't care. That's fine. It's whatever. I, I, I know where mine's been, all right? You should wash your hands before you go to the bathroom because you touch a lot of things, and then you touch that down there. Come on. like it, it, It's science, man. It's basic science. I firmly agree with that. So, so anyway, is it, they're at a table... He's talking to these thugs. Yeah, we also see this is the first time they show this Red Hood costume. Basically, or half like, a pill. It, yeah, it, 
half pill is a great way to put it. I was gonna put a rounded off garbage can, like like, like a waste bin, like, right, like like an old round waste and, bin. And, that, and, that's, yeah. that's what I got out yeah. of it too. An impractical waste bin because it's half, just gonna fall. Half of a pill is, is a great way to yeah, put it. Yeah, it's half a pill, Doctor Mario style. Yeah, half it, a pill, definitely Doctor Mario style. And but we see the crustacean and we see the hood is colored. Those are the only two things that are colored. Is that uh, with, with these two these two red things in the panel? Everything else is muted as it was. Uh, but we're also seeing a lot of kind of gross and disturbing things in the background. We're seeing drunk people falling over the bar. We're seeing people throwing up. There's a lot of details hiding in the background of Joker trying to do something right by his family, but in the wrong way. Right, right. And you know, in the context, you know, they, you know, they're employing him because he worked at the lab, and they need him to navigate the lab right. to get to a card company next door. And obviously, they're going to rob it. Yeah. Right. So, so this is the context playing of, card factor of, right. of why you know they're employing him. Mm-hmm. You know, little old Joker. You know, or what we know to soon to become the Joker to make money. So that that that's right. you know his employment contract. The justification on that one. With right. Him. Exactly. So we jumped up Batman uh, in the hospital visiting Barbara Gordon, <laughs> and this is where he finds out that she's been paralyzed. The bullet hit her in the spine and is gonna probably take her out from the legs down. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually the beginning of Barbara Gordon's start as becoming Oracle. Right, which, from my understanding, this yeah. is one of the few things from Killing Joke that actually became continuity. Yeah, the, the continuity into yeah, yeah. the DC so, universe. So, like we said earlier, they do take some things out of here and make them continuity. Uh, and then he also finds out that she was found in a state of undress with a camera lens cap nearby. Right. So it, it's it's assumed that the Joker took pictures of her in a vulnerable state after yes. his uh, his injury to her. And Batman is clearly and obviously and justifiably very very upset by this. Well, not only is it, it's his best I don't want to say best friend, but it's a very you know strong confidant to him as well as his daughter, someone that he. Batman himself has watched grow up at this point in time too. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's a it's a double punch. The daughter of Jim Gordon, who's the closest thing to a friend that he has, and it's also Batgirl, who who's a, a teammate of his, who's somebody he's seen grown, he's helped train. You know, it's, it's a very it's a very hard blow for him to take. And we see Barbara wake up, and the first thing she's concerned about is Jim. Mm-hmm. Right, she's less than concerned about her state. She's just like the Joker as my dad. You didn't see. The look on his eyes, you know, he's got something crazy planned. Right. You have to figure out what it is. Right. And, and I think, you know, once again, I think that's another beautiful job of the coloring where, you know, Bruce is talking to her and she's like, the Joker's pushing it to the limit this time. You know, we don't know what he could do. Yeah, well, and well, she's got these tears running down her well, face. The, the, color, the coloring, yes, but it only goes so far because the pencil work. Right. Is, that as well. Is, is yeah, the so coloring, the strong. pencil work, the overall artistic feel of this yeah, panel, it, it, it so tells strong. great emotion. So we jump to... Uh, Jim Gordon's waking up at the carnival, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's being woken up by uh, what appeared to be some sideshow dwarves. Yes, I'm not, right. I'm not quite sure. Wearing they, bows and bald head. Yeah, well, but, they look but, bald, but they have bows on. I don't know. Yeah, but but they they have these beady eyes and sharp teeth. Very very they're, very disturbing. And yeah. they're getting them naked. Yeah. They, yes, they they are getting them naked. Uh, it's exactly Jim's probably personal favorite bedroom fantasy right now. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Thank you, Davis. No problem. No yeah, no, problem. It, it's horrifying. It's absolutely so, horrifying. It's the sideshow freaks, for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. American Horror Story did it as a season. We're allowed to say sideshow freaks. Yes. yes. So, so they, they, start, they, they, they put a, a collar on him with a, with a, like a leading pole, mm-hmm. and they're dragging him past the sideshow freaks. We're all laughing at him, and they put him at the base of this very disturbing throne that the Joker's built himself. So It's just a mountain of... Baby dolls? Discarded baby dolls with a stare going up. Okay, so this scene itself, 
this exact panel where it's looking at him and he says, you're going mad. The Joker says that when right. it's happening. This scene itself is actually referenced in one of my favorite episodes of South Park. They have yeah. episode 200, which was only shown on television twice, and episode 201, which is only shown on television once. It has been since banned, and the whole thing was about the prophet of the Muslim religion, Muhammad. Oh, uh, I remember that. In which that this stink. was Scott Tinnerman's Chili Con Carnival. And they actually oh, show yeah. to where he is sitting in a chair just like Joker. And they even use the old school, coloring-wise, the old school bright yellows and reds and everything of how it looks when they go through the entire him torturing Cartman, Scott Tinnerman, torturing Cartman through his Chili Con Carnival. I had, I had no idea that, that was well, a reference. Mm-hmm. I guess it just you know goes to show that how this book can still transcend yes. very very influential to pop culture mm-hmm. for shows such as south, south yeah. park south park came out that episode came out in like somewhere range between 2008 to 2010 benefit out a decade later and this is still making an imprint at that time right. so obviously there's a motive for the joker at this point yeah. Yeah. to kidnap gordon well, and there's a telling point where, where jim starts saying i remember and the joker's like whoa slow down Remembering can be dangerous, you know, and, and that's really the Joker's whole point here. As we see from his flashbacks, is the Joker is getting sucked back into these memories that are hurting him, these hurtful memories that he has, mm-hmm. and and he puts Jim in a cart for basically a, a a horror ride. I guess I don't I don't know what else to to call it. State fair horror ride. You go through little paneled areas. Like the Joker says, you know, he says yeah. memories can be vile, repulsive little brutes yeah. like children. And then we so. jump We jump to a bar scene. Another memory of the Joker dealing with those two mob guys about the job. And these two police officers walk in and ask for him. And he's told that his wife has just died. That, that she was in a freak accident testing a baby bottle warmer. I guess they were pretty dangerous then. I, I don't know. Well, 19, electronics. 1950s electronics, I don't trust them. Yeah. So she was electrocuted and she's dead. And that's it. Speaking of which, wood burning kits. You'll ever have one? No. Y'all know what a wood-burning kit is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for those of y'all that don't know, the wood-burning kit is... I got one when I was seven. You plug it into the wall, and it's a big pin with a big metal, pointy, sharp end of it all. And it came with planks of wood, and you would carve things into the wood with a giant, hot red metal piece of metal. Yeah, it's wood carving. Yeah, it's wood metal piece of metal. A hot red metal piece of metal. That sounds very dangerous to give to a six-year-old. I was seven and still dangerous, yes. Wood burning. I burnt myself on it once. I didn't use it. It's probably a good call. 50s electronics. But anyway. So yeah, Joker's wife, baby heater, baby bottle heater, killed. She's Um, dead. So now the Joker's... First first he's alarmed, I guess you can say. He's Mm -hmm. like, "Uh uh-oh, the cops are here. We're about to go through this whole operation. Yeah, I almost almost assume that he's... They figured out. They got found out. Uh Uh-oh. Right, and then but then you know we find out that his wife is dead. One of my favorite things to see is like like he's he's going through this grief process, you know, immediately like, oh my wife who was expecting my child is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the two guys that he's with, they don't care. No, they're they're right, not friends. See you they're tonight. Well, we have a job to do. Yeah, and, and, and exactly. that's, that's the terrible part is that he. The whole reason for the job is now gone. Well, he's the patsy. And the guys don't care. The guys are just, right. yeah, I, don't, I don't give a shit, whatever. If, if he's know. the patsy. If People die all the, the show, time in the right. mob. We don't care. They get arrested. He's the one that's going to jail yeah. for the actions. They're throwing him under the yeah. bus. Right. Well, the, my favorite line from this one is like, it's like, tomorrow you bury your old lady in luxury. Tonight, you're with us. Right. Get the picture. 
going back to the camera and everything, boom, full circling. So, you know, right before we come back to the quote-unquote present time, you can see this first sign of him becoming mad. You know, he's got his head bent on the table, arms crossed. You have these two figures in the background that are in black and white, but their lips have this red hue to them, almost like the Joker's Mm -hmm. lipstick, and they're, you know, pasty white. So I think it's kind of like, okay, this is the lead-in. This is the moment that he crosses that threshold of Mm -hmm. becoming crazy. Yeah, well, what's really cool, though, is is the very next panel is Jim Gordon in that same physical position. Exactly. Head down, arms crossed. So kind of the lead-in of Jim Gordon's kind of going crazy because that's that's the whole Joker's point. He's trying to push Jim Gordon into insanity here. Push it to the him. He's got him at this this house of horrors ride and he's basically trying to make Jim go crazy. That's his whole right. goal. You know, he, he's saying anytime life gets too tough, you could quit, you could fight it out. Or there's the third option. You could just step outside of sanity. Just open that door and walk right go into mad. insanity and just go mad. And he's even got this song, which I would, oh, this, 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 this is why I, I kind of want to see the movie. Cause I feel like they did a great job turning this. It's clearly a song in writing. So we don't know what it sounds like, but somebody has made this into an actual audio version, and and I, I would just imagine it would be great because it, it's just so disturbing with his happy Joker kind of face and and wording, but it's it's just such a horrific kind right. of moment, mm-hmm. and we see the Joker sends him by these screens. We finally find out why he took pictures of Barbara Gordon. He is now showing pictures of a shot naked Barbara Gordon to her father. Ultimate. Like vulnerability at this point, in right? Time. Right. Like just, she, just, she is incapacitated, and she has been well, stripped. Of well, the any worst covering. part is she's conscious too. You could you could tell by the look on her face is she's not unconscious here. She knows it's happening. She's very uncomfortable. You know, which right. e- which even gives drive home that discomfort to him even further. Now, do you think that there was an off camera rape scene with this? Like maybe not from Joker himself. That doesn't seem like his mo. I don't. I don't think so. But like, do you think that maybe one of the thugs had like a little? Time with I, I honestly don't think so. I, I don't think I don't. Joker. That's not his. You just like said, that's not his that's MO. Not his MO. He's so doing he it to, to break you emotionally, right. you know. And and something that you know, I I tried to avoid, you know, reading other plots and theories until this podcast. Yeah. And you know, something I did read that people have presumed that at this time, the Joker probably gave him LSD or something to make him mm-hmm. get a little madder. But or that's like some, some, that's some yeah. theories yeah. out there. Yeah, you know, that, that's one of those other theories. To help him try to crack and break, yeah. but mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't think there's anything beyond the pictures. Right. I think. I think that's more than enough. I, I think the, the suggestive nature of it is what's going to make Jim go mad. I, I, I think it would actually lose some of the impact if Jim knew that there was a physical violation. Right. You know, if, if that was the case, then there's no, there's no question right. mark. Right. And saying, the question I, mark's what's going to drive somebody mad. Saying I could have crossed this level, but I didn't. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, you know, it, it's almost more of a power play to not do it. Exactly. Than to do it. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the whole point when people talk about, about, about you know, uh, sexual violence and, and rape is that it's, it's a crime of power. Usually it's not really what he's trying. He's not trying to have power over Barbara Gordon. He's trying to have, power over Jim. He's trying to make Jim go mad. So mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't assume so. Okay. I, well, I, I, well, I never well, read into that fact. Well, the only reason why I said that is just because, you know, you are dealing with nudity. Yeah. Being someone being that vulnerable and what what would drive someone over that edge is like, oh no, this isn't your this isn't just your daughter who is, you know, naked and is paralyzed at the point in time. Like this is possibly post rape scenes where she she has been violated and you are looking at your daughter who has been violated. Yeah, and that, more so than just being naked and paralyzed. Yeah. I just think it's him wanting to 
violate Jim Gordon. He's All like, right. he, you know, that she is the catalyst. She is, you know, what she, she, she's just the means to the end. She's not right. the target. There's no right, reason exactly. to. But the, and, the, and I think the Joker knows to get to Batman, he has to get to Jim Gordon mm-hmm. or to get Batman's attention, affect the people you love. Yes. Well, the th- thing I like about this, and not, not, not to say I like this scene, but this scene was very, very interesting for the time. It's beautifully done in that it evokes all the emotions that you should have from this moment without ever being lewd, without ever being right. vulgar. It, it alludes to the fact that she was in a compromised position and, and nude, but it never shows any of right. the, the delicate parts of the body. It doesn't show right. you know, too much. It, it, it's a very the, the, strong suggestion, and you get the point perfectly without pushing it over the edge into vulgarity. Yeah, they don't even fully develop the butt crack on the back of her one picture. Exactly. Right. It, it's a really cool way to portray this, and it was, you know, from, from what I have researched, a very kind of shocking scene for the time. I'm sure it was very progressive. Oh, yeah. You know, just oh, just eighties. Oh yeah, like that. You know, it, it's it's not something that was very talked about, right? At that time, mm-hmm. you know, and here it is as a major player in a very right, a well received Batman story, right? And then Power you know, it books. ends with the Joker saying, "Don't get even, get mad." So even you know, proving that don't try to get revenge, just yeah, just get just mad, go get crazy, angry, go, go crazy, crazy, just let mm-hmm. it all out. Yeah, and then it's very cool where he shows these other, you know, this house of horror that he's going through. Batman Ba-dump. being the detective yeah. he is. Going back to Arkham, shaking down, you know, Falcone, Cobblepot, mm-hmm. you know, as the Penguin. So, yeah, it shows Batman just going to different villains to find out what happened, where it happened, and each time it opens with Jim Gordon going through another door in this house of horrors, and then it's Batman doing his thing. Right. So while Jim's on his horrific ride, Batman's on his horrific ride. Right, he's going trying doors to of find his own. the answer. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Until finally we see this, the bat signal lights up in the sky. The bat and- signal. The bat signal. Mike, you're not going to do one? No, I'm not. Okay. The bat signal. The bat signal. See? Was that so hard? Yeah. It was all right. Okay. So the bat signal lights up, and then we see he's there with the second. I don't know the guy, the name of the second in command. It's it's the detective that found Barbara Gordon in the first place. Right. Then he has an admission ticket to a carnival and a card from the Joker. With compliments. With compliments. So we jump back to the the carnival, and Jim is out of the ride and clearly distressed. You know, uh, c- kind of unresponsive, kind of catatonic almost. Like he's just he's kind of just on the ground in in, in this tired, feedless position as, as the Joker is just trying to, to to prod him some more. And then we jump right back into this flashback of the chemical plant, the burglary scene. Yeah, this this is finally Joker's going to go on this mission for the mob and puts on this ridiculous outfit. It's it's his, I guess, comedian's tuxedo with mm-hmm. a red cape and this half of a pill. Half a pill. The cape is built into the pill half head thing. Yeah. Well, so so what we learn is that the mob uses this on all their patsies, so they can kind of rotate out the guy that's doing this. Right. And if at any point they are going to get in trouble with the law, they can pass it off as, oh, the mastermind is the red pill. Right, right. And whoever's currently wearing it will go to jail for the whole thing and all the crimes that they've committed before it. What, they call him the red hood, right? That's his... Yeah, red hood. Red hood, red hood. Red hood. Yeah. yeah. I like I like red pill, though, because that's very, red like, pill. Matrixian. The red pill. I think it gives the illusion that, you pill. know, an idea is greater than, you know, an actual yeah. person. So an idea can constantly live on forever. Well, because... Well, that's that's the cool thing is that it shows kind of a uh, a similarity to Batman exactly in this moment mm-hmm. is that he is now becoming the symbol 
you know, a, a mask symbol, of which is what Batman does, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but only for, for the negative. Right. And we see this operation quickly goes sideways. The Joker can't see anything. The security guards apparently are much better armed than they thought they were going to be. Yeah, well, that's even said. It's like, oh, no, I quit a couple months ago. They must have gotten security since I left. Yeah, and quickly, both of these two guys get shot up. Which makes you think, was there some form of, like, um, uh, like systematic... Was it an inside job? Well, I was going to say, was there a series of systematic unemployment that happened throughout the entire thing to where they laid off so many people that they realized that retribution would be done so they had to hire more security? Well, he quit, Which wouldn't make a lot of sense just because, like, you know... Well, the Joker quit to pursue comedy. Ah, damn. Yeah, he he quit. So you're reaching for straws. I know. But you're not necessarily wrong. You know, I was told to not drink out of a straw when I was a kid because real men don't drink out of straws. Well, it does keep the, uh, the the staining agents of coffee and soda off your teeth. Well, straws? Yeah, yeah. but who drinks coffee with a straw? Cold Ice coffee. coffee. Exactly, Gregory. Thank you. Well, I'm sorry. I, I just started drinking coffee Gregory, Gregory has added ago. more to the show than you have. Uh, ow. It wasn't the recording equipment or the office. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I, uh, shout out to Desi on that one. Yeah. Thank you, our good friend Desi. Yes. Th- th- thank you, Daniel Desimony. De- definitely helped us out. We 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 had a, a successful but um, makeshift operation last time. Uh, hopefully, I liked you know, it. There it was nice. bars involved. There was there was there was. Uh, Davis had like a boom mic over his face. It was awesome. It made me feel like I was in a radio station, except not really. K Rock. K Rock coming at you from one hundred two point five here, Duluth's best radio station. So before we get too derailed, yeah, yeah we, we see this this uh, this operation slowly going to hell. Both of the guys get shot, and it's just the Red Hood running. And the Batman shows up early in his career, and he's like, guys, we're not shooting anymore. Let me take right. care of this. With these huge, like, not the little tiny subdued little Batman, yeah, no. little bat ears. Ridiculous we're talking, costume. Like, devil horn looking very, very Batman. Right. Very aggressive. And, and obviously, Batman has encountered the Red Hood before because he says, yes. hey, so Red Hood, we meet again. Yeah. But, Which further shows that they've used the Red Hood as mm-hmm. this gangster yeah, icon. Yeah, as the scapegoat. Scapegoat, as, 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 as the, the figurehead for this, you know, they just they just rotate out the guy inside of it. So in, in an effort to escape, Joker just jumps into a vat of chemicals that apparently leads out into a runoff river, I guess, a creek that it runs off into. And as he's crawling out, his skin's burning, he's, he's feeling weird, and we show this is his transformation into the Joker in this beautiful panel of just him gripping his head, wide-eyed, crazy-eyed, big giant grin, and the whole background is just ha-ha-ha-ha-ha laughter right. as he's clearly iconic lost things. it. As just all, all of the moments that have led up to this, and then with the chemical as a kind of catalyst, has just totally broken him. He's just now an absolute loon. He's the mother in the purple suit. Is that a reference to a song? Stop uh, no, wearing no, I, purple. I, actually, I was trying to make a without dropping certain racial slurs. I was trying to reference the um, uh, Boondocks mm, with mm. a pimp named Slickback. Oh yes, yes, yes. Granddad, there's a person outside in the purple suit. It's the Joker. It's always it's the Joker, himself. and he's about to shoot you. Played by Cat Williams, but yeah. So we see um, the Batman's finally going to show up. He shows up. Everybody runs. Uh, the Joker's just kind of standing there. The background is starting to show the beginning monologue he had towards the Joker about their inevitable 
collective death if they keep going. It's it's mirroring that in in its entirety. Yeah, but I will say one thing. There's a huge panel of the Batmobile showing up. This, what do you think of the Batmobile? The most phallic-looking Batmobile it's, I have really ever is. seen it's, in my life. Like, a, it is a big, pointy bat dong. It's a big rolling it's, up it's in there. It's a bat wiener with a face on it. It is absolutely ridiculous. Right. It, it, it's a giant Batmobile. I will, I will always be a fan of the animated series Batmobile, and that's it. That's the Batmobile. I mean, uh, this this Batmobile is, is just it's just ridiculous. I, I don't get it, but it's I mean, got it's got the big the big rounded wheel wells like an old Cadillac, but it's just a, it's just a wiener in the middle. Right, it's, it's just a big and, black and wiener. Why would you it's want? Sleek. The, why would so you sleek. want your face to be the first thing right. on yeah. your vehicle? Yeah, you know, Batman is supposed to be discreet at this point. Right, as detective. Here he comes rolling down the street with his face on the front. Giant, it's like he's got big, speakers outside big, going na 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 the hood has ears. It the looks hood. more like Black Panther. It's really It really weird. does. It's really weird. Um, so anyways. Yeah, we're, we're just going to walk over that one because we only talked about it for five minutes. Uh, <laughs> we're not dicking around anymore. The, 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 I guess you can say the climax of the story yeah. of Batman finally coming to terms with Yes, yes. The, the climax Joker. off his giant phallic vehicle. Oh, um, guys, yeah. let's stop dicking around, all right? <laughs> We we are taking applications for guest hosts as Davis unfortunately will be leaving the podcast soon, probably by my hands. So we are now approached by you know Joker is standing in front of the Batmobile. Gordon is in pretty much a, a giant cage like a kennel. Just this distraught sitting upward fetal position, and then the bat attacks. The bat attack. Lunges straight towards the Joker, knocks him to the ground. Joker, because he is this comedic jack of this all trades. Don't, 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 don't. Fine. Exactly. Pulls out a little squirt gun, acid on him, runs away. He, he has like a Link style arsenal of shenanigans. So Batman takes the moment to run to Jim's help. He's like, oh, Jim's going to be just ruined. He, there's no way he's okay. And, and here's where we see the strength of Jim Gordon. He's saying, Batman, you have to bring the Joker in by the book. He's been trying to make me go crazy. That's his end goal. We have to show him that he can't break us. At which point, you know, the Joker runs into a funhouse. Yeah, the, yeah. the Joker's running into a funhouse. And, and, which he knows what he's doing. He, yeah, he's, of course. he's luring Batman into a yeah. trap. Well, he you bought know? the damn thing. Well, so of course he knows what he's doing. You know, he's always one step ahead of Batman, so... So Batman runs into the funhouse, um, narrowly dodges a pit of spikes, all kinds of different you know, fun spikes. games. And, and the Joker the whole time is over, I guess, loudspeakers, mm-hmm. um, basically harping on this point that him and Batman aren't necessarily different. That they both went through tragedy and have come into their, their certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and his whole thing is you have one bad day, exactly. one really bad day, and, and, and that, that could be your breaking point. And, and he's clinging to this belief desperately, you know, and, and he's, he's using Batman as a, a symbol for the same thing as he is. He's like, look, you had one bad day, apparently, because he doesn't know the origin, but he knows mm-hmm. something happened to make a grown man dress up in pajamas with a bat hat and run around fighting crime in the evening. Dude. You know, something happened. So the Andrew Jackson Jihad also known as AJJ now because of various punk reasons. But they have a song, and one of the lyrics is, My friend Aaron says it best. We're all two or three bad decisions away from becoming the ones that we fear and pity. Just proving this song came out a couple years ago. Even if it's just stretching it possibly can be, it's being a reference towards this, we're only one bad day away. 
it's true. It's a great point. It's the point of the book. And if anybody does want to check out the Andrew Jackson Jihad, please go right ahead because Davis seems to love them a whole lot. They're fun. But but that's his whole point. And Joker is clinging to this belief desperately because if that's not true, then his whole current state is a lie. It's, it's There's no foundation in reality. It means he's weak. If he can't break Jim Gordon, if he can't break Batman, then he's weak. Because if he broke on one bad day, then everybody else should. You know, and I took notes on that too. You know, I said the, the whole one bad day reference, you know, because throughout these panels and conversation, he says, you have had a bad day. I just don't know what it is. Exactly. So at the root of it, you know, from what we know, is Batman really just as crazy as the Joker? Joker doesn't know his past with yeah. his parents, you know, getting murdered. And that is the catalyst that drove Batman to... Some could say to being mad, to being well, yeah, like, crazy. Like I said, no sane person puts on pajamas and a costume right. and runs so around at, in the evening at, fighting crime. At the essence, this is where you see, wait, he can start maybe questioning himself. Are we one and the same? Yeah. Are we a yin and a yang? Can one of us exist without the other? Yeah. Which which had a bad day, something, 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 da-da-da-da-da, then you turn it around. Look up the lyrics, come back. Okay. So, but but that, that greatly mirrors Batman's earlier speech. And his earlier speech is that we are both on this collision course. You know, Batman right. recognizes that they're linked, and the Joker is recognizing their link as well. It's just they're both looking at it from different angles. Speaking of angles, they are in a mad funhouse at this point in time. Yeah, lots, of, lots of weird mirrors. Lots, lots of weird of mirrors. mirrors. Have you ever been into a house of mirrors? I have once in a really cheap like pop-up carnival. Yeah, but it benefited out. Still confusing. Still, on, really, it, it just felt dangerous. I felt like I was getting tetanus. Uh, like if I put my hand on the wrong thing, I was going to get some kind of disease. What, what do y'all think of these images of this face in the background? Do y'all think those are like the Joker's disfigured face? I just think it's a generic. I thought it was just a generic, yeah, I think scary, it's generic. face. Yeah. Like scary okay. face, yeah. part of the carnival. Not like he was like, ooh, Trenton, come over here with your face and right. take a picture yeah. of it and go to Kinko's. Yeah. So, so Joker's running through the Hall of Mirrors. So is Batman. And, and he's trying to hone in on him. And Joker keeps harping on this point. And, and Joker just says... Here's the joke. Why aren't you laughing? And you get this great scene of Batman finally pinpointing the Joker, jumping right through this mirror and saying, Because I've heard it before, and it wasn't funny the first time. And so finally... Ah! Oomph. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. So Batman finally stops him. No, this is not the point. Yes, people have bad days, but they don't break everyone. You let it break you. you you've allowed this to happen. You don't have to do this. And, and they, they get into this big fight, um, which I kind of like. It was a little slapsticky, and I kind of enjoyed it. Right, right. You know, very. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's Larry Moe and Curly yeah. with the, 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 jo- the, the joke. Yeah, the Joker hits well, him with a the, two the by pull four. His and mask yeah. down yeah. and like yeah. But once you bring a knife out, then it yeah. stops. Yeah, being yeah. Once a little you bring funny. a knife to a Three Stooges and, and, and fight, Batman didn't have a gun. Yeah, no. exa- so 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 Batman Maybe manages manages to beat him in this fight, and we get back outside, and the Joker pulls that gun, the gun he used to kill Barbara Gordon. Or not kill, but to, to, to maim Barbara Gordon. And, and we see it, and Batman knows he's got nothing. Batman's not bulletproof. He's not been bulletproof at this time. He's right. got no armor to do that. And the Joker pulls the trigger, and we get his usual comedic flag coming out of the barrel. Click, click, click. The gun's empty. Right. So mm-hmm. you, know, you could say his his own joke backfired. Yeah. You yeah. Know, something he normally used on other people. You know, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Click, click. Little flag. It, it happens yeah. to him. He's like, and, uh-oh. Yeah, and now the Joker finally kind of admits his defeat, and Batman reaches out to him. He's like, look, it doesn't have to be this way. I can help you. Yes, I I recognize that things went wrong for you. Things went wrong for me, too. Let me help you. You don't have to do this alone. 
and Joker runs into this beautiful joke, which I, I really like this comedic level. Matt, do you want to you wanna read it for me? You know, one thing, and, and this was referenced in the beginning when Batman first encounters the fake Joker, you see this narrative that says, so there are these two guys in a, in a lunatic asylum. So there are these two guys in a lunatic asylum. Yeah. And, and, and Joker, you know, he's telling this joke, so they decide they're going to escape. So they get up on the roof, and they're just across. There's a gap. They see rooftops on the town stretching all the way in the moonlight. First guy, he jumps right across with no problem. But his friend, his friend is scared. He says, I'm afraid of falling. So the first guy has an idea. He says, hey, throw me the flashlight. I'll shine it across. And then you can walk across this platform. And then the second guy shakes his head, nah. He says, well, you think I'm crazy? You're just going to turn the light off halfway across. And then they both, you know, the Joker starts laughing like, ha, 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 uh -huh. ha, ha. And he keeps laughing. Well, it's it, it, it's this great... You the, get a heck. No, but before that, the thing I loved about this, the joke, though, is the joke perfectly describes the Joker in that someone is reaching out to help him, and he's like, no, you're going to let me down. Everyone else has let me down. Everything else has let me down. Even though it's an impractical... Yeah, but, but that, that's the whole thing. Because it's, he's crazy. He's, well, he's explaining through his own absurdity that I can't accept help because you're going to leave me. You're going to fail me. You're going to not care at a certain point, And I'm going to be left alone again. Right. And, and I can't and do it, it again. And it throws back to the robbery. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. when he became the Joker, that he was the patsy and he's always no one's ever taken him serious. Exactly. So, but you know, you flip it on its head. Who That's to assume that he's the first one across. And the, yeah. well, or, or Batman's the first one across. Or, or this metaphorical yeah. figure. What if he is the first one across? He's the Joker. He doesn't know any other way well, look, so he's gonna turn the light I don't off know. and laugh well, no, no, so I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing is he recognizes Batman is the first one across he recognizes Batman had the bad day and has the better outcome and so he he is concerned that he's not gonna be able to make that gap and that Batman is gonna give up on him well you're, you're saying he does people don't take him seriously he, he's a comedian do people take him seriously they have to laugh at him yeah that's the whole point it, 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 it's it's a continuous Ouroboros the snake that eats its own tail? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Vicious cycle. Yeah. So so the Joker starts laughing at his joke, and what do we get out of Batman Davis? <laughs> Batman starts <laughs> laughing with him. And and we see these these dark and silhouetted panels of Batman reaching out to the Joker, and it slowly pans out to a rainy puddle, which is the very first panel on the very first page. Now I kind of read into this because it wasn't a definitive ending. Right, it really uh, wasn't. There's a lot of speculations and rumors. Well, there's a couple theories on it. One theory is the killing joke. The whole point of the title is that the Joker finally pushes Batman so far over the edge and then tells this joke. And that joke, after everything he's just done, is enough to make Batman snap and kill him. Oh, snap. You know, so that, that's one of them. But there, there's another one where Batman just finally accepts, you know, that the Joker's a lunatic. So right. he's just going to laugh with him at this joke. And in one of the panels, we do see the headlights of cop cars coming towards them. So right. Batman's just going to laugh with the Joker and reaches out to hold him physically before the cops to get there to arrest him to stay with Jim Gordon's wishes of do it by the book. There's another theory that with the first panel and the last panel being identical, that it's just saying that no matter how horrific this gets, this relationship between Batman and Joker, nothing changes. Right. It ends the same way it began. It's going to keep doing this over well, and over and over and over and over again. Cyclical. The fourth ending Jared thought is, is that it's a choose-your-own-adventure. It's There's no definitive answer. Hmm. That it's, it's written open-ended so the reader can kind of right. pick their own ending on this one. So that said, what, what is your interpretation? Personally, I think, I think Jim Gordon's wishes. I think, I think he, he, he laughs at the Joker. He finally, Batman's finally accepting he's not going to fix the Joker. He can't help the Joker. 
all he can do is try to mitigate the damage. So he's going to laugh with him at the moment. He's going to grab the Joker and he's going to let him cart off at the police. Or, I mean, I kind of agree. And I think this moment of clarity that Batman has, you know, with the whole one bad day, all this reference, I think Batman, he knows he can't exist without, you know, his antagonist. He can't exist without him. Yeah. What, what's the meaning to his life? Because this is the one person he can never capture. He can never mm-hmm. catch. He's escaped Arkham so many times. Nothing can contain the Joker. So if he succeeds in this, if the Roadrunner finally gets caught by the Coyote, yeah. what happens? Can Batman ultimate, actually continue to be you know, Batman that, that is, once he catches the Joker? What is left for him at this point? Well, what can he go back to? He goes back to being Bruce Wayne. He still has the emotions inside of having the that, bad that day of watching his parents yeah, right. getting killed. So well, what, what that, does he have left after he catches that, the Joker? That's the thing Batman's always yeah. dealt with is, you know, that, that whole, what is God without the devil? In the loose words of uh, the Joker played by Heath Leger, see, I'm like a dog. I'm chasing after the car. But uh, what do I do when I catch the car? I just don't know. What is it? It's crazy. It was not that, that was pretty good. That was okay, actually really I good. I try. Yeah, I try. But yeah, but but it's the same concept. It's like, what happens if you actually catch the car if you're a dog? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to take it to the ground, or are you just going to get drugged behind it until your legs are stumps? You missed a key part of the line. I'm oh. Do this oh, go. At the end, he says, he goes, he goes, I'm like a car, you know, kids in the car. It's like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I catch it. I just do. Exactly. That's. Sorry. Thank you. It is kind of the crux of. His okay, argument. Davis is no longer on to quote. Gregory is now the quote man. It's Research all the quotes and then, and then, yes, yes, that's your job. That's why you're here. So, I I think that's the realization that Batman Mm -hmm. has in this moment that, you know, if he's the first one across, he's going to keep the light on to let the Joker cross because they they have to exist with one another. Mm -hmm. They have to. Well, I don't don't even think on that measure. What if the Joker is the first one that goes across, but Batman doesn't trust him because he would make a joke and they're just two guys in an insane asylum and they're just standing across from each other on separate buildings as they always do they, they, they're, they're constant well they, they, they definitely so, I, I definitely agree with that part is that they are right. always on opposite sides they're right. on opposite sides of the building it's just it's a matter of how you want to interpret who's holding the flashlight exactly in that joke and, and who's leading the one across yes. now I, I think the most important point for Batman in this is his his need to help is his need to make the world a better place that, that boy scout part of him that has to leave it better than he found it you know, and and I think he's. It's finally that part is finally broken. The Joker finally succeeded in that part. In that the Joker broke that part of Batman. Batman's no longer trying to help the Joker. He's just willing to accept that this is the Joker, and all he can do is deal with it as best as possible. Like a relationship. Please no. That, but I hope that's not your relationship. Well, I'm just saying, like you you accept that the person's a Joker, and they you accept that the person goes out at night and wears a cowl and fights crime. You have the most interesting relationships, if that's the case. Okay. Davis is dating Batman, folks. You heard it here first. Breaking news. You're not going to hear this on Comic Book Resource. Listen, You're not you going to hear this on Bleeding Cool. Just leave Bruce out of this, all right? So, so anyway, let, let's talk about some of the big themes here. Um, the first one I thought was interesting is that the whole idea of evil isn't born. This one bad day. Joker had his bad day. Batman had his bad day. The Joker just wasn't which I really liked. It, was, it really dove into that origin story of the Joker. It humanized him a little bit. But at that scene on the flashback when he's got his head on the table, he he was obviously going to turn into something. Oh, yeah. yeah would, would it have been the Joker that we know or would it have been 
a Joker that puts makeup on and still becomes the Joker, but not by way of a sewage a, a chemical, you know, problem. problem. Right. You know, so it, it could have been another Joker, or maybe not another Joker, but another you know form of bad ombre. Yeah. Right. We we also have the uh, the fact that Batman and Joker are two sides of the same coin. They both mm-hmm. had their bad day, and they just chose to deal with it in different formats. Ooh, going back to the Harvey Dent at the beginning of this scene. Yeah, which is a nice point. I didn't even think of that. You do see Harvey Dent in the first in two pages yeah. in yeah. Arkham, and this is a Harvey Dent moment, is that they, they are two-faced. Right. And, you know, I mean, they even, are two you know, sides of the coin. As we're talking about, it's funny that I'm looking at the back of the hardcover. You have this playing card. I never noticed it before, and, yeah, and it, you know it's, it's got J on the top for the Joker and the image of the Joker, and it's split fifty fifty. On the other side, it has a B, and it's got a picture of Batman. Now, yeah. why do you think it's so, a club? Because they're always why beating the crap out of each other. Oh, I, I was going to go like they both enjoy the same music. I mean, they they and might both be into the same club scene, and then we deal with the Joker's vulnerability uh, of him recognizing that. He could potentially be helped, but he's just so afraid of putting himself out there that he's just not going to do it. He just can't. He can't make himself that vulnerable because he, he just can't trust that someone's not going to fall off on the end, <laughs> whether intentionally or accidentally in, in the case of his wife dying. Or is he just too far gone? It, well, it's thing, he might think he is, and Batman doesn't believe that, but he's, he's no. He's like, no, I can't. It's just not going to happen. Well, let's talk about the art for a minute. I know we've touched on it a little bit here. Mm-hmm. The pencil work is so detailed. Yes. It, it's it's not hyper-realistic, but it's just the the emotion put into these faces, the movement of the panels, the little details. There's just so much to unpack in each panel that you can read it a couple times through and still not get all of the, the visual details. See, I like how... All right, so we're dealing with the uh, the recolored, repenciled one, right? That's one well, not, not repenciled. Not repenciled. The, pen- the, the, the pencils are the same. Okay. Uh, the the colors I, I, I know. I know that the penciler, when doing the, the deluxe reissue... Mm-hmm. Uh, he did fix a couple minor things on the mm-hmm. pencil, but he, most of it is entirely the same. It's the colors that are primarily changed. Right. So we're dealing with these flashback scenes, which are done in black and white, except for, as we said earlier, little points of color. It's always little pops the of The various red. crustaceans. Yeah, it's always... Or cephalopods. No, no. We already said it's not cephalopods. They're crustaceans. They're scrimps or some form of crawfishian type of thing. You passed the test, Davis. What test? I was testing your memory. Of the importance of the things I say. Hand hug. We hand hugged. So we, we go to these scenes and yet yeah, it's all in black. Well, kind of a grayscale looking too, but it's still these little pops of color, which I still believe because of the recoloring, this is an homage to the Frank Miller Sin City who helped Frank Miller helped bring Batman into more of this brooding noir-esque like prominence with his black and white work. So I, that is my opinion on that. I, I think the, I col- the, the color definitely does a lot for it. It does. It, adding, adding the the black and white, the grayscale to the flashbacks. Yes. Um, muting the colors a little bit more after looking at some of the the panels and the pages from the original and comparing it to these. I think this is a better version to read the story in. Okay. In, in my opinion, I know people are going to disagree with me, and I'm okay with that. If you if you like the original that way, I just I don't like Batman in those bright colors. I don't. I think it takes away from the seriousness mm-hmm. of the story and the things it's trying to address. See, I want to read it in its original color wise because that's that's very much like the 1960s, very campy Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of one of those like this is how they released it. This is how they made it. Right. It might give you yeah. a different interpretation of it. Yeah. Exactly. Because like this yeah. is the original interpretation of this now whether or not there's like if you guys are going to have someone getting paralyzed and a uh, possible naked scene and this and that and blah 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 blah, you got to make it light and campy everyone this is the 80s after all we have neon yep 
Okay, so let's go on to uh, let's wrap it up with the ratings. Uh, we do a buy, borrow, or pass scale mm-hmm. here. So Davis, why don't you start us off? What's your rating for this one? I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Uh, I enjoyed reading it, but I kind of knew everything that was going to happen. Not because I knew of the Killing Joke, but because I know of you know what happens in these comics. Now it might have been because it was from the '80s, and since then they've rehashed this style, rehashed, redone everything. But for this one, I'm going to go with a uh, borrow or watch the movie. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but if you're looking just to get the story down at the line, watch the movie if you want to be entertained by that. And it's relatively short, so you can definitely get it out the way, borrow it from a friend that has preferably the hardback edition with all the supplemental material. I'm going to go with a, uh, a buy on this one. I Ooh. think it's a uh, it, it's kind of it's like a Led Zeppelin album. Like I'm not a huge Led Zeppelin fan, but it's a classic. You can kind of see how the art of storytelling through comics evolved with this tale. Uh, so I really think it's an important thing. If you are one of those collectors, you like the library. It's an important piece to have in that fact. I do think the story still holds up today. It's still There's no themes that are outdated. There's no real points that are kind of outdated in it. It still makes sense today. And overall, just artistically, it's it's a beautiful work. It's very compelling. I don't think there's anything wrong, especially with, with how affordably priced it is on Amazon. Not hard to get. I think if, if you have the money and you're even moderately interested in Batman, the Joker, DC history, or comic history in general, I think it's a great one to put in your collection. Matt, what do you think? I must agree with what Mike says. You know, kind of, if you want to know your roots, know your history, especially for someone, you know, as I told in the beginning, you know, I'm fairly new to comics. I think it's one of those that if you can get your hands on it, it's very well told, it's very well written. And, you know, just like you said, you know, the writers, the color artists, the pencilers, they're all iconic. You know, I think it's much important of one of those. You can own it, read it. You know, you can then put it on a shelf and it's be like, oh, you own the killing joke. As much as, you know, the Frank Miller, you know, Daredevil series or, you know, those that have stood the test of time that are still relevant mm-hmm. today. You know, those, I think those, for that reason, I would say own it. You know, definitely, I would say definitely buy it. You know, for me, it was a borrow for me because, you know, I walked across it a bunch of times and said, now oh, one day when I, you know, have something I really don't want to buy i'll pick this up but i borrowed it from a friend but you know i think it's something that i will definitely go purchase to own yeah to eventually put in your right, collection right. you know go you're... back and read it and yeah. you know if i have someone hey man have you read the killing joke like it happened to me here you borrow it and decide hmm. if you want to yeah and, and i mean so. it's it's one of those if, if you're somebody that's going to want to pass on the art of comics to you know your children at some point as they get older definitely not when they're young for the yeah, story ho- hopefully like at but, least 15 yeah yeah this is but definitely you know, one it, of those you, i can you i can read, i can know, definitely like see the moment and i know it's happened numerous times like like the father showing his son his favorite band you know, I can really right. see this happening with the comic fan and their child. Hey, you know, you're finally old enough to kind of get a darker view of Batman. It's time to read this. Well, and I think it tells the Batman-Joker relationship in a graphic novel in 40, 45-plus pages. Yeah, it, it's a relatively so quick through, read, too. You're not going through 40 years yeah. of Batman comics. It's, it's a great, concise story right. that you can always kind of touch back right. on. Right, and it's obviously been a catalyst for movies, you know, from the Tim Burton you know, Batman series, you know, very dark, very noir to mm-hmm. the Nolan mm-hmm. ones, like we referenced earlier with the scene in the jail. So right. this has obviously been a reference point for a lot of other things such as movies. Well, so he- I think for those reasons, it should be definitely be a buy. Well, even the Joker in the Batman movie, the uh, Jack Nicholson one, he falls into a big vat of chemicals. Boom. And he done. dances and yeah. sings. There we go. <laughs> done. 
Good stuff. Okay, so we, we have two buys and a borrow. borrow. Either way, everybody believes you should read this book. Exactly. 100. Or or if, if you're going to go bare minimum, watch the movie, which none of us have seen. No, well, I'd say no. definitely read it. Um, Unless the movie's terrible, I can't advocate the movie. Read it, watch the movie, be pretentious. Does anybody else have anything else they want to add on uh, on this particular story? I think we really covered everything we could. No, I, I'm I'm satisfied with what I've contributed. Okay, wonderful, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Can't wait uh, to be back. Greg, as always, thank you for your diligent work and your minor comments here and there. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Greg, from In-Depth Media. Let's uh, shout out to Desi again for letting us, uh, Greg, borrow this setup. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, mm-hmm. Danny. On the next episode, so next drinking issues episode we're going to be covering champions number two so if you haven't read it get on it i know it's going to come out uh, probably the first week of november if i remember correctly and then on the next episode of the podcast we're going to cover deadpool the good the bad and the ugly and we're going to do it hostful style it's going to be me davis and greg on this one we're going to give greg his own mic he's not going to be yelling from the background and then i know you're all going to call for him to be fired so very excited about That's that fair. okay guys uh, you can find us, uh, if you want to reach out to us, check out our social media, email us, whatever. Uh, you can find us, Jacks of Trades Podcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash jackstradespod, at jackstradespod on Twitter, uh, jackstradespod on Instagram, and we are at jacksoftradespodcast.com. Anybody else want to add anything before we close it up? Oh, if you're in the New Orleans area, every Wednesday night at 7.30, I host a trivia night, the Mellow Mushroom on Oak Street. And if you're on the North Shore, every other Thursday, I have a trivia night over there. Less podcasting, less comics, but still fun. It's a lot of nerdy references. It's real fun. It's good. It's absolutely fun. Plus, more me on a microphone. Okay, everybody. I'm Mike. I'm Davis. And I'm Matt. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Adios. It's a map. Fuck, 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 fuck